Welcome to Life in the Valley, the podcast of the people at Summit Church in St. Paul, Minnesota. We gather each week in the heart of St. Paul on historic Summit Avenue, where our mission is to create rhythm, opportunity, and location where people like you can have life-changing experiences with God. Our podcast is one of those locations. As followers of Christ, we are doing our best to be on mission, disciple others, deliver hope, and champion this city. At any point in your journey with us today, if you want to take a next step or you just want to stay in the loop with everything going on at Summit, just grab your phone and simply text the phrase, be known, all one word, be known to the number 651-360-2908. We will send you a short form that makes it super easy for you to complete. There's always new opportunities to mention and new ways that you can get involved. One of the rhythms that is important to following Jesus and important to us at Summit is studying scripture. As we study the Bible, we can have one, hope, two, find guidance, three, be corrected, and four, receive truth into our lives. Listen in and lean in with us wherever you are, open up God's word, and hear this week's message. Good morning, everybody. Wow. A lot of things happening, isn't it? I'm uh, pretty excited about Summit Church and everything that you're doing in St. Paul. And we pastor together. We're ministering together. Summit and uh, has always been really an important uh, influence in my life. You know, I've uh, all the way back when I started as a youth pastor, I was just talking with Katie earlier. Her grandpa was a good friend of mine, and he had, and his, her grandpa and grandma, the Tollefsons, had such an influence on my life. I was a young youth pastor, and Dale Tollefson took me under his wing. And I don't know how many of you ever got to meet him, but I'll tell you what, you can, you can see his influence in his, in his children and grandchildren. And, uh, and, and that, that, carries on in my life, but, you know, I, I just, I loved him so much, and then um, uh, in 19, <laughs> I was going to say in the 1900s, <laughs> it sounds so long ago, doesn't it? 1981, I had an encounter with the Lord. Let me back up just a little bit. Uh, I am so... Again, again, so thankful to be here today. Eric, Pastor Eric, boy, he's been, he's been such a, a, a wonderful leader, and uh, I love him dearly. We have met together. Ever since he started in this position, we have connected together, and we're staying in close connection, and we just are talking about how can we just even join our church ministries together and and because uh, we have the same vision, same mission. And I am so thankful for Eric, for Pastor Eric. And, and um, I just say this place is blessed. I drove up here this morning and I almost drove by because I didn't recognize the building. <laughs> I, I, I kind of... St- I stopped there because, you know, it was only just, it seems like to me only a couple, I'm down here all the time. It seems like only a couple weeks ago I drove by here, you know, and, and I, I mean, I just, I paused and I looked at the building and went, oh my goodness, this is Summit Church. 
Well, I've been, um, you know, part of uh, St. Paul. It seems like most, well, it has been most of my life now. I grew up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. And um, up there, um, you know, technology wasn't a part of our life and wasn't probably for some of you either. I just think of these winter months, whenever anybody would tell you to log on, we knew what that meant. You put a log on, you know. You, uh, <laughs> and um, we, this time of the year, we'd have, always have, they already got two feet of snow up there where I lived from Lake Effect. And I met my wife, Sandy. I went to North Central University. I went right to uh, college when, uh, you know, that immediately when I was 17, went to North Central from there. And, and uh, I met my wife's sister. And, and I wish she could be here with you today, by the way. I, uh, she's just such a, a, a blessing. And, and uh, she is the head of our, our, our women's ministry at church. And, and uh, women are doing a lot of things coming up with Christmas. And so she had to be there to coordinate some things with them. And so she couldn't be with you today. But um, when I met her sister, her sister, she grew up in Forest Lake and had a horse farm up there. And, and uh, I, would, um, I'm, I would just connect with her sister who was at North Central. My wife was in a senior in high school and I was freshman in college. And her sister uh, invited myself and a few other people to come to their farm and go on a hayride, and I grew up with horses, and she said that they had horses on their farm, and, and so she invited me to come up early, and, and here my wife, uh, I met my wife, and this young, young woman was a barrel racer, if you know what that means, they, you know, they, they have the horse that just shoots out of the gate and, and circles the barrels, and it's a time trial, and, and, uh, and so um, you know, I, so I went up early and met her, and uh, and then she said, "You want to ride my horse?" I didn't realize it, but there was a lot of people that rode that horse, and the horse would always come back by itself. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and uh, and I said, "Sure." And so I took and 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 I, you know, I'm the, I was experienced and. And she was shocked because I came back on the horse. The ho and, uh, and, and, you know, it's like, I always imagined she was like the princess who said, the man who rides my horse, I will marry. <laughs> there was about 90 people that showed up at that hayride. And uh, a lot of young men. And I didn't, and, and she just kind of looked through the crowd and, and then Sandy saw me, and she says, I think I will take him. <laughs> That's how we met. And um, I grew up in a pastor's home, just uh, as my dad just in the Upper Peninsula had just such a heart for men. And, uh, and I remember just as a, as a child, I had a younger sister. She was about uh, uh, two years younger than me. And just even as kids, we would... We would um, play church. 
you know, because we grew up in the church. We grew up loving the church. And, 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 there were, and so I remember this. It's early memories, but my sister would uh, take all of her dolls, and she had all kinds of dolls just all over, and she would take them and set them up all around the living room. And there, so there would be, you know, just every chair, every, the couch, and on the floor, there would be dolls all over. And then she would get up, this little girl, she would be about five years old, four years old, and, and she would just start to sing. And, and she actually became a great musician. And, and a, a great pianist. And, but she would start singing, and she would lead all those dolls and singing songs, you know. And they were just simple kids' songs, of course. Jesus loves me, this I know, you know. And, um, and so then, we, th- then she would finish, and then she would just say, our, she, then she would stand up and she would say, and now we will hear from our pastor, and, and, and I would, and I remember this, I would stand up and I would look at all of those dolls and I began to preach some simple thing that I'd heard my dad say or whatever. I didn't realize, though, all that time it was preparing me for ministry. And, and, um, and it was preparing me to be able to preach in front of people that are You know, I get that face a lot, you know, and I, and, and I look at them and I'm going, hey, that reminds me of when I was preaching the dolls, you know. Every now and then one of the dolls would fall over, you know, and, and, and it would go, mama. And that, was, and that would be a good Sunday, you know, because that would be a great time of preaching, you know. Um, you know, playing church is cute for kids, But oh, how our city needs a real church. We can't afford to play church. We can't afford to play church, friends. We're living at a time where things have shifted so drastically. We're living at a time where there's, where there's, there's challenges to our faith. There's challenges to the faith, I believe, of a, of a nation, of a city. The challenges of a faith to people like you and me. There's always been challenges. There's always been trials. You know, there's a scripture I want you to just take a look at. I think I'll have it on the screen. First Peter, the first chapter, you know this. It says, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while. You may have to, though now for a little while, you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come. These have come. These trials have come. The struggles that you might be going through today, every one of us face trials in some way. If you don't have a trial today, you know, there's one coming tomorrow. Or you've just gone through it. There's a trial. We, it says in For now, in a little while, you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though it's refined in fire, 
that it may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Look at this next scripture in verse 8. It says, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and you are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving, you are receiving. Right now, you are receiving the result of your faith. Right now, you are receiving the salvation of your souls. You know, that's a powerful scripture, and if we could, if we had time to unpack it, um, but I only got until about one o'clock, so I got to move on. Nervous laughter, I like that. <laughs> but the reality is, here it says, you, have, you are going through challenges, and, and those challenges to your faith are so real. It seemed like it's so real today. You know, Romans, the fourth chapter, tells us that Abraham... It says, the promise that was given to Abraham, the promise that was given to him is given to us. And it comes by faith. So that if it comes by faith, it might be by grace. And so it can be given to all of his, all of his inheritance, those who had inherited. Not only those who are of the law, but to those who are the faith of Abraham. Then it says, for he's the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. And he is our father. I like this phrase, in the sight of God. In the sight of God who calls, who gives life to the dead and calls things that be not as though they already are. Abraham was called our father because he grabbed a hold of hope without any reason for hope. He didn't have any reason for hope, yet in hope he believed. And because of that, that same quality, the Bible says, is in us. Even when we don't see the end result yet, there are challenges to our faith. There were challenges to Abraham's faith. One of those challenges you'll see in Genesis, the 13th chapter, it was the challenge of strife that leads to division. Here he is, he's following God's plan and he's going to where God wants him and he brings along Lot. And Lot, um, the Bible says that they were both being blessed and their, 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 their livestock and their their servants and everybody was being blessed, but then they got into a quarrel between each other and they came into a time of strife and they quarreled because of the blessing and, and, uh, and Abraham saw that. And so he, he went to Lot and he said, listen, I don't want strife and conflict between us. We're family. So why don't you choose why don't you choose the land where you would go? In that moment, you see, Abraham, according to Genesis 12, he had already received a promise. The promise that is ours is found in Genesis 12. Are you following me so far? The, the promise was in Genesis 12. He said that, I, he told Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to multiply you. I'm going to make your name great, and I'm going to make you a blessing. 
In other words, he's saying, you know what? I'm going to pour resources. I'm going to pour resources into your life, Abraham. Follow me. Do what I want. I'm going to pour resources into your life, and there's going to be increase. There's going to be multiplication. And as a result of that, you're going to have great influence. You're going to have great influence. I'm going to make your name great. There's going to be an influence of your life into the nations, and then you will, through the blessing that you are going to receive, the resources that you receive, you are going to be a resource to others. I'm going to make you a blessing. Hallelujah. I saw that up here when, when I saw how you are ministering to people who are homeless and, and, and putting together, you're becoming a resource and you are a resource in St. Paul. God's increasing your influence. I believe this is a prophetic word for Summit Church. I believe it's a, a prophetic word today for you. I believe that there's going to be multiplication. I believe that God's going to increase this place. Amen. I believe it's coming, friend, and, and it's already here. I believe that you walk into this place and there's a sense of destiny. There's a, there's a sense of identity. God's given you a new identity. He's giving you something new. I believe the painting on this building outside, it stands out, but I believe it's more than just paint on a wall. God is saying, I'm going to give you an identity in this city. I believe that, you know, in 1932, this place became a church. 1932. I don't know who, um, who the pastor was. I got to spend time, though, much, of, much time with Pastor Tedeschi. Um, and he pastored for a number of decades. And when he started, I was just becoming, I was just a, a new and in, in in, as the uh, lead pastor over in our church. And, and I would come to uh, Ed Tedeschi and he would just spend time with me in his office. And, and do you realize that, that back then the bylaws and the constitution and everything that was happening in Summit Avenue Assembly of God at that time, I, I took those and, 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 and Pastor Tedeschi said, Mike, use these. Go ahead and use them. And we, we took them and adapted them and formed them. And so the influence of Summit Church on redeeming love is significant. And we would pray together. And he would, and, and along with Dale Tollison and others from this church, they would just invest themselves into my life. And, and to this day, you know, uh, uh, Brother Tedeschi, Becky are good friends. And we just love who they are. But I'm saying back in 1932, in every ministry and all of those people that were here, when they formed Summit Church right in this spot, they had a vision and a dream. They had a hope. They had a promise. And I believe that that promise and the things that were declared over this spot all the way back then, are resonating through the time and ages. And I believe that we're stepping into a time right now where we're going to see something far beyond what we see visible right now. I believe that the identity of, and the, the destiny of the past is going to shape and form every heart, heart in this place so that together we can make a difference in St. Paul. Can you give the Lord praise? Amen. Give the Lord praise. He is so good. 
Pastor Eric, he, he has that sense of, of let's make a difference in the city. And I mean, teenagers getting together with spud the lights. <laughs> and I think, you know, I heard that announcement and I thought to myself, I missed it by one week. I, you know, I could have been here for that. Um, but along the way, trials come. Along the way, vision has happened. Uh, the, the vision begins to dwindle and, and struggles happen. For Abraham and Lot, for them at one point, it was strife. We are living in a world today that's filled with strife. Isn't that right? Romans, the first chapter, describes when people do not, it says, I think it's verse 27, that people uh, at that time, people is, is really prophesying about our day. They will, they, because they do not retain the knowledge of God, because they don't hold on to the knowledge of the true God, they let it go. As a result, one of the things happens is that there's strife. Friends, we're living in a world of strife, and strife always comes along to, to challenge our faith. For Abraham, he, was, he, he had this promise that the land would be his. God spoke to him and told him, the land will be yours. And here he was looking at his nephew, Lot. And in that moment, he took his vision and dream and he made it vulnerable. He put it in the hands of his nephew. In that moment, the vision and dream for the land and everything that would be in it, he gave it all. He just said, Lot, you choose. We're in strife here. You know what that tells me? that the unity of the Spirit to Abraham was more important to him than fulfilling the promise. At that moment, he knew that relationship, his relationships were more important, his relationships were more important than his position. His relationships, the, the, the people in his life were more important than Anything else at that moment, the unity between him and his, and his nephew. And so in that moment, he took, his prom he took the promise and he made it vulnerable. And he just said, you choose. Of course, the Bible tells us that Lot, he chose by what looked good to him. If you want to read it, it's Genesis 13. He chose by what looked good to him. Too often times when we're in strife, we tend to only see what's visible and we lose the vision. Can I get an amen? We, all we see is the problem. All we see is the problem and we lose sight of the promise. We lose sight of the potential when we get into strife. That's why it's so important, friends, to guard your unity, guard your harmony with each other. And that means, that means more than ever, Walk in humility. Humility is the thing that leads to unity. It means we come to this place where you're willing to lay it all down just for the sake of keeping 
unity. Ephesians, the fourth chapter, says it's one of the identifying, it's a core value of people who are called, that they make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bonds of peace. Ephesians 4.2. They make every effort. They begin to pray. They begin to honor one another. You see, when Abraham did that, and he, he, he took the promise and made it vulnerable, he was willing to take this position of humility, and he gave it into the hands of Lot. And the Bible says Lot chose by what he saw. And so the best-looking land for Lot, the best-looking land was to move towards a place called Sodom. And um, I don't need to tell you the story of that end result. But, he, but so oftentimes when we're led by what we see and what is visible and what seems like it's good at the moment without waiting on the Lord, boy, the results are separated, extremely separated from our destiny. But in the middle of this, Abraham kept a heart that was humble. And so I can imagine, can you imagine? Here's Abraham. He's just this old man now. He still hasn't seen the, the fruit of the, any of the fruit of the promise. God has blessed him. But God gave him the land. And then he says, Lot, you choose. And he chooses what looks best. Can you imagine Abraham looking at his family member? This was this, this, he hadn't, Abraham didn't have a son yet. The closest thing he had to fulfilling the promise was Lot. The closest thing he had. And here is, is conflict between him and, the, and, and, and this relative, this young man who wasn't yet the promise. who was still his nephew, though. And he watches as his nephew chooses the best, what looks like the best. Can you imagine what was in his heart when he watched as Lot took his whole household and all of his cattle and headed off to that beautiful land? And here's Abraham now all by himself. When we read the words on the page, it sounds like it's just kind of immediate conversation with God, but it could have been a period of time where Abraham had this vision, a dream, and he's just saying, could have been a moment where he's saying, God, what now? I've given to Lot the land that you said that I could have, and then God spoke to him and said, I'm giving you something far greater. He says, look, walk, walk around, take a look, walk around. He said, it's more than just that land. I'm giving you this whole land. God's got something far greater for you than you can imagine. Hallelujah. He's got something. I'm saying this to you. I'm saying it to Summit Church. God's got something far greater for you than you could ever imagine. If you agree with that, would you say amen? You know what? He has given, there's something far greater. And right now, it might seem like there's a challenge to your faith and there's, and there's strife in church. Let's not, by the way, let's, let's not let the strife of the world 
get into our hearts. Amen? Um, I think I still have a little time, but uh, one other challenge to faith, one other big challenge to faith is uh, it's just plain old discouragement because of delay. It's discouragement because of delay. It's when you have this promise, but it hasn't been fulfilled. And, and you'll see that in Genesis, the 15th chapter. You'll see where Abraham, he goes to God after a period of time, you know, and he, he's an old man, and he looks at his faithful servant, Eleazar, and he goes to God and he says, God, listen, let's fulfill the plan through Eleazar. Let's fulfill the plan through this faithful. He's like a son to me. Let's fulfill the son, uh, fulfill the promise in the son. And, uh, and God says to him at that time, no, that's not it. That's not going to fulfill the promise. Then he says, come here. And he begins to show them what could be. He says, look at the stars. Look at that. I know you're ready to give up and you're ready to try something your own way. It's been a there's a delay. Friend, there's probably a delay in your life. You have not yet received the promise yet. But God just says, look at the stars. When I became a lead pastor, before that I was a youth pastor, I was a worship leader. Um, We started, Sandy and I started uh, the ministry um, doing coffee house ministry with hippies. It was back in the early 70s, 19, the 1970s. I, some of you are thinking 1870s, I know. But the, it was, but we started, and I can tell there's a few hippies in this room still, you know. We kind of, us old hippies can look at each other and we get that look and we know. We know. We don't have to say a word. We pass each other in the street, you know. Every now and then I see a long ponytail, and I'm thinking, Sandy, can I have one of those, you know. And, uh, and uh, she refuses to let that happen. Uh, I do still have some of my bell bottoms that, uh, and, uh, anyhow. But we started this coffeehouse ministry, and it was during the Jesus People Movement. And all we did was feed, uh, we'd get people together. We had this small building and. And, and what we would do is just, I knew that, that people got hungry when they were smoking dope, you know. And uh, pe- people told me that. I didn't know that by experience. I want to be clear on that, okay? I want to be clear on that. I don't know that by experience. I was told that. So we started, <laughs> so we started to bring food together. We would just get as much food as possible, and then we'd go out. People in, in the few believers, young people that I knew, they, we'd go out and invite people, and we'd pack the place with people that were high, and, and, and they would start eating. And then I'd sit in the corner, and I'd pull out my guitar, and, uh, and I'd start to sing songs. Now, back then, we didn't have contemporary Christian music like we have today. So I would make up songs that were contemporary songs of that day, right? And so I would just start playing those Beatles songs. Now, I need to explain. Beatles were a group that were back in, the, in our day, and for those of you who don't know who they were. But, um, and then I'd, one song I'd just think of, I'd start singing it and playing it in the corner. You are so beautiful to me. You are so beautiful to me. Joel Cocker. You're everything I hope for. You're everything that I need. Then I go, 
Jesus, you are so beautiful to me. <laughs> I took a love song and I just added Jesus in it. And I'd sing that. And back then, it was such a move of, the, of God that they'd, all of a sudden they'd go, I need Jesus. You know, <laughs> it was so simple. And then I'd just talk to them, simple, and people were coming to Christ. And, and uh, so we took that group and we moved it into a, into a church building in White Bear Lake. And so there was all of these young people that were there. And, and then I thought that was what I was going to do. May of 1981, um, I had an encounter with the Lord. I really felt like I was going to stay doing, you know, music and doing youth ministry. And, but then it's, it, I was driving across the top of Montana on US-2. I don't know if you've ever done that. It's this long stretch of forlorn drive, you know. It's just empty road, empty road. And, but it was in the middle of the night. My little children were sleeping, and my wife, they were just sleeping in the middle of the night. I'm driving, and the presence of the Lord filled that car. And God began to show me the city of St. Paul. And he just spoke to my heart. All I can tell you is that it was like a voice that comes alive within your heart at those moments when you're just worshiping. And God just spoke to my heart, and, and he said, I'm not calling you to pastor a local church or do youth ministry. I've called you. I'm calling you to pastor, have a pastor's heart for the city of St. Paul. And it, now, I was 30 years old in 1981. If you do the math real quick, that means I'm 51 today. So, <laughs> the power of suggestion is wonderful. May of, may of 1981, I'm, I, I'm 30 years old, didn't know what a pat, never heard of that concept. All I knew is that I needed to connect with people and connect with pastors. And so we have this vision. I've carried it all of these years. What, what blesses me is when I meet uh, young pastors like Eric who feel that same heart. Now it's rising up in pastors all over. And we're coming together and we're just saying, let's just call our church one. We're no longer separated. We're no longer separate. We are one. And let's carry this vision forward. And I'm so thankful for that. Because church, it's not about, here's the thing. Early on, this principle came so strong in my heart. It's not about church growth. It's about changing a city. God called me. When he spoke this to my heart, he spoke it and just said, if you, if you just focus on the kingdom, I'll build the church. And I found out Jesus is a lot better at building his church than I am, than you and I are. You see, when he builds the church, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Somebody give the Lord praise. That's, that, we, we always need to be reminded of that. But there's a time when we come into this delay and it can be 41 years. And we're still seeing within our cities increase of murder. We're seeing increase of crime. We're seeing things that do not make sense to me. You know, it doesn't make sense to me that our responsibility for a baby in the womb <clears throat> is diminished. And our rights for living our own life, it, even at the expense, I know I'm getting into something that, but it doesn't make sense to me that we would have just a, 
a wanton culture, a culture that is wantonly given over to thinking that abortion is a value. When I'm getting off on a tangent here, is that okay? But when Roe v. Wade started, when that passed, none of us, I was, I was a young man at that time, none of us thought that it was going to be what it became. You know? And so I'm just saying that we're living in a time where values have turned upside down. So I'm saying, God, where is the promise? Lord, could it be that we could do it this way? And there have been so many times when I've looked at, an, at a servant and said, Lord, could the promise happen through this? There are times when I have birthed Ishmael's. An Ishmael is something where it's a, it's a young, it's a boy that's birthed through human natural means, human effort. God blesses our human efforts, by the way. I believe we need to be excellent in, in what God's given us to do. But the blessing is not on our performance or our personalities. The blessing is not on our ability. The blessing happens in our lives when we pursue the presence of God, when the church becomes a house of prayer for all nations, that's when all nations become influenced by the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to use our, our technology. God's blessed us with it. We need to use you know, our, our abilities and our giftings. We need to be excellent in all of that but we must not rely upon that. Even though there's a delay, we need to rise up with faith and not put our faith in, in, in human ability. We need to put our faith in Christ alone, in Jesus alone. And when we come into that time, what happens, what rises up within us is a desperation. So let me just say, why did God wait in Abraham's life, why did he wait? Why didn't he just give him Isaac from the moment that he first spoke blessing in it? Why did, why did he wait all those years until the Bible tells us that Abraham, it says he faced it, Romans 4, he faced the fact. Abraham faced the fact that his body was as good as dead and Sarah's womb was also barren. He faced the fact he had absolutely, he had exhausted everything. They birthed an Ishmael, but the Ishmael wasn't God's promise. And, and there was this boy, Ishmael, and, and I, I know Isaac loved, I mean, Abraham loved him. I know he loved him, but yet that wasn't the promise. The promise was going to come in a wonderful supernatural way. And why did God wait until Abraham was absolutely barren? Let me ask you this. Why did God wait in Moses' life until he was an old man and couldn't talk clearly? If I would have chose a time to liberate Egypt, I would have chosen Moses who grew up in Pharaoh's house, ready, like Pharaoh's son. He could have... I, 
if I was writing the story, I would have taken Moses when he was that young 40-year-old man. I would have taken him and I would have just said, I'm going to use you right now because I, pl- I place you in Pharaoh's house so that you could become the next Pharaoh. And then the next Pharaoh, through a political process, could have changed everything. I'm getting a little excited here. Is that okay? But I'm telling you, why did... Why does God not choose the political process to bring transformation? It's another question, isn't it? I don't know what your, what your, what your thoughts are about the election that happened on Tuesday, but I do th- know this. No matter what the election was this last Tuesday, on Wednesday, America still needs healing. Why did he wait until Moses... Here, an educated man, until he was completely empty. Why did he wait? Why did he wait with, with uh, Joseph and let Joseph go through all of the trials and struggles and go through years? Why did he put him through all of that struggle, the challenges to faith? Why did did God tell Gideon, who had 32,000 warriors, to let them all go home except 300? Why did God take the Apostle Paul and make him an influence from a prison to write the majority of the New Testament when he was weak? when he was weak. You know why, church? It's because ultimately, all along, whether you're young or old, whether you, whether you are uh, a person of influence and affluence, or you feel like you have nothing to offer, all along, God is looking for people who will be totally and completely abandoned to him. He's looking for a people who said, you know what? I'm not going to be satisfied with my unfulfilled life. He's looking for people who will have visions and dreams again. He's looking to reawaken your vision and dream. He's not, for those of you maybe my age, This is not a time for you just to pull away. This is a time for you to press in. Every young man and young woman in this place needs an old person who has a dream. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And it's amazing because then he says, and your young men will have visions and your old men will dream dreams. You know why I said that? Because every vision needs to be reawakened with a dream. Every young man, every young woman with a vision needs a person who says, you know what, I've been there. There's been a challenge to the face, but this is what it could look like. Let's dream together. Let's dream together what Summit will look like. I want to declare over Summit. I was praying about this message. I want to declare over you, Summit, 
And I'm speaking to this, not only to the summit that's here today, but the summit of the past and the summit of the future. I want to just declare this over you. From the time that you were birthed in 1932, there was visions and dreams. But I'm saying to you, those visions and dreams are being awakened in this place. You are a city set on a hill. This church is positioned for such a time as this. And friend, you are here because of such a time as this. And so I'm speaking into who you are becoming. And I'm saying that the influence of Southern will be like a ripple that, that will go out and influence a city. I'm saying to you that this is not a time. This is a time where, where we can just go through the motions of church and sit there like dolls on, the, on, a, on a couch. Or we can just say, wait a minute. Could it be that together we could knit our hearts together and every one of us have a place? And could it be out of our desperation, out of the challenges that we have in faith? Here's the thing, friend. The challenges that you have in faith, those challenges can either cause you to settle back and just not go anymore and just be satisfied or the challenges you have in faith can rise up within you and you begin to look at the one that you cannot see with your physical eyes, whom you have not seen, you love. Whom you have not seen, you love. And I'm saying to, to Summit Church that there's going to be a love, an awakening, a, a, a fresh awakening of love within your heart and passion for the presence of Jesus. And that will be such a contagious influence in the heart of St. Paul. I believe it's going to go out. You're going to be fruitful. You're going to see multitudes. Can you picture this? I don't know how many are in this room right now, but 120 people can come together in one accord, putting aside the strife, putting aside the discouragement, recognizing, yes, there are challenges to our faith. It just seems like sometimes we feel like we're dead and, there's, and, and, and barren and we feel empty and all we're doing is going through the motions. But 120 people came together, maybe going through all of that. They went through the disappointment, the struggle of, of seeing their Jesus crucified and, 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 the, and the church was scattered and, there was a, and it was empty. There used to be thousands of people, but now there was 120 and they came together in one accord, but no longer were they satisfied with just what they once were. They heard a word from the Lord that says, you wait, you wait. Instead of being discouraged, keep your eyes on me. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Can you put up the last scripture? It's from Hebrews, the 11th chapter. Look at this. I love this scripture. I was just reading this this morning in my one-year Bible. It was by faith that Moses kept on, right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. Hallelujah. That's the key. That's the key to rising above the challenges to your faith. That's the key to keep on going. That's the key to endurance. That's the key to not giving up. That's the key to awakening the call, the dreams and visions that once were in your heart. That's the key. What? To keep your eyes on the one who's invisible. Let's stand together. Father, thank you.
Can, you, can we just lift our voices and our hands? Let's just give him thanks right now. Lord, we thank you. 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 We praise you. Lord, in the middle of the, in the, middle of the strife of our day, in the middle of the time when people are discouraged, Lord, may we love one another. May we purpose in our heart to work to, to just be a family together, to love one another, to walk in humility that leads to unity. I pray, Father God, in the day that we're living in, Lord God, that when others are discouraged, may we encourage our hearts to press in, Lord God. Awaken our hearts, Father, I pray, to the call that you originally put on this church, this house. Awaken it to the call that you placed on our lives. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Listen, um, for one moment, let me tell you this. The greatest thing that ever happened to me, there was a time when I was away from the Lord. The greatest thing that ever happened to me was somebody came to me and said, you know, um, God loves you so much that he gave his son. They didn't even know who I was. This person came up to me on the street when I was struggling just wondering where God was at as a young man, one and, and living for myself, going through the motions of like a doll in the front without the real heart for God. And a person, a random person came up to me on the street and just said, listen, do you know Jesus? He loves you so much. He gave his son, he gave his own son to die on a cross for you. And I'm, I'm standing there looking at him. I knew this already. And I'm trying to tell him, yeah, I, I know him. But the greatest thing that happened in my life was that moment when I was empty. Somebody told me there was hope. If you're away from the Lord today, if you're separated from him, maybe you'd never have known you could have a personal relationship with him. Just like me, I needed to that moment pray a simple prayer. But I prayed that prayer and I asked Jesus Christ to be, to just to be at the center of my, hope, my heart again. That I would, that he would fill my life once again. And friend, he wants to do that for you. I'm not sure what the protocol is, but I do know this. If you're away from Jesus, he has drawn you back to him today. And I'll be, I'll be over here on the side. If any of you want to come up, talk to me, I'll pray with you. And you can know Jesus as your Savior and your Lord. If somebody invited you to come this morning, they'll come with you. They'll come with you. They invited you because they love you. Church, just think of it. When the Holy Spirit's poured out in this place, 120 people can see 3,000 get saved. Three, can you imagine just right now, me walking over here, standing there, and all of a sudden the doors open up and people start pouring in because something's happening. Get ready, get ready. Church, get ready. The potential is beyond, it's beyond what you could ever imagine. That's the kind of God we serve. Amen? Amen. God bless you. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to turn this over to somebody we didn't talk about. Is that it? Brandon, is that it? All right. That's it. May the Lord, amen. Oh, I love doing this. Hold out your hands for a moment. May the Lord bless you and keep you.
May he surround you with his protective presence. Oh, my goodness, I feel an impartation right now. May the Lord bless you and surround you with his protective presence. May you see his face just smiling over you. May you see the delight he has in you. May he saturate your life with his grace and his peace. May it become so tangible to you that throughout this day it flows in you and through you to love our city, to Jesus. I pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And everyone give a shout of praise. Come on, let's do it. God is good. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. To help you apply the truth found in Scripture, we always like to ask three questions. What did you learn about God? What did you learn about yourself? How are you going to apply what the Holy Spirit is speaking through Scripture to your life? We hope that helps bring clarity for you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Life in the Valley, the podcast of the people of Summit Church. Join us in person sometime as we gather as a church on Summit Avenue, or join us here at our podcast again, or virtually at our online encounter each week. Before you go, though, Pastor Eric is going to give you a special invitation and share just part of his heart for you, the culture, and a little bit about the people of Summit Church. Hey, Pastor Eric Samuel Tim here. Thanks for listening to our podcast today. Let me first say, our city of St. Paul is absolutely amazing. I encourage you to explore all the history it has to offer. And you need to know this, Summit Church has been a part of that history, along with so many amazing churches. Speaking specifically about the people of Summit, well, we've been gathering here since about 1932. And my hope that this would not just be a rich history, but it would be our forward legacy. History is a thing of the past, but legacy makes way for the future. So where are we going? That's a good question. Our vision is simple, to see all people of St. Paul and beyond living as disciples of Christ, people full of hope, fully known, and actively loving one another, living a spirit-led life. Our mission is also simple, to provide rhythm, location, and opportunity where you can have a life-changing experience with God. Journey within the diversity to do these three things. Become disciples of Jesus, to deliver hope, and to champion this city. That is where we are going. That is what we're doing. So where are you going? Maybe that's a good question for you. What are your next steps? I would encourage you to join one of our monthly expeditions. The expedition is a simple experience where you can find out more about who you are in Christ, who Summit Church is, what are we doing around here, and how you can play a part. It's less than a two-hour commitment for your whole month. We also feed you some amazing food and even provide childcare. So the question is, where will we go? Maybe we're on a journey following Jesus together. And I got a hunch, we just might not be us without you. We'll see you at the summit where we prepare for life in the valley.